0: We did it.
1: We did it. We did it. Hooray. Yay. We did it. We did it. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's <laughs> the to explorer. Oh, is it? yes
0: i was i don't
1: know which is one of my favorite shows as a 33 year old idiot
0: <laughs> The times we read the Harry book. Potter
1: we made it somehow through <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban it's hard to believe that Goblet of Fire is on the horizon but here we are recapping it in our recap episode
0: yes your cat is trying to be on this episode he
1: literally is smelling the microphone ladies and gentlemen meet Bentley Bentley say hello
0: He's going to crawl under that cabinet.
1: Yeah, you may hear some dinging and ringing throughout this episode. Because it's he Bentley. still has a collar on. So that I can tell where he is at all times because he's an asshole. <laughs> this is Tara's first time meeting Bentley. If you knock any of those off the wall, I'm going to murder you.
0: He loves me. And now
1: I have all of these lovely witnesses and listening to me threaten your life. Yes, Bentley loves Tara. Sometimes he loves me, but he's been very naughty lately, so he has been getting the spray bottle quite often. And Busby and Berkeley are not really acclimating well to him because he keeps attacking. You may also hear some hissing and growling and yowling, and depending on what happens. For now, it's just a little tinkle of his bell as he is walking around looking for attention and playing with his little balls. He's neuter I'm talking about his toys, not his, <laughs> not his cat balls.
0: So while that's happening, we're going to talk about book three overall. Yes, let book you know uh, like
1: our favorites, our least favorites from this book and kind of what we're looking forward to next one. So yeah. let's get into it!
0: So the first thing we want to talk about is we had some pretty regular responses to our Fuck, Mary Kill we did. segment. Um, so, I yelled at Ashley
1: and she complied. That's right. Thank
0: you, Ashley. So, uh, Ashley Brubaker, uh, who's a good friend of mine who's been listening to the podcast since the beginning, sent me a text one day that just said, I heard my public shaming for not answering Fuck, Mary Kill. And so began... Her sending me fairly regularly her response to our fuck, Mary kill. Not a direct response, but she did say, As much as we hate the Dursleys, I think we'd all love Aunt Petunia to clean our houses because she gotta have Lysol in her holster. I thought was funny. Also, (laughs) I don't
1: have any motivation to clean my house.
0: No, not at all. So we're gonna hire Aunt Petunia for that. But her answers are great. And if any of y'all have answers, even from this season you want to send them to us, maybe we'll talk about them a little bit next season. Yeah. Or another episode or something. And next season, we ask you to talk to us. Please do. Yeah, do
1: as we say. We're not
0: asking you to do anything hard. Yeah, we're not (laughs)
1: asking you to do anything, period. We're demanding it. We are your podcast overlords, and you must comply. Podcast
0: overlord. That's going to be my new title. I'm just going to make that a tag on my... Podcast
1: overlords. Yeah. We get business cards. Yeah. So that we can send them to all of our sponsors.
0: Hey, sponsors, whoever you are, we'll give you a business card card. (laughs) and we'll talk about you very nice on our podcast so anyway real quick through Ashley's fuck Mary kill responses so the first chapter she sent us responses was chapter six by the way I don't remember all of my answers but sometimes Ashley just agrees with them so that's fine so chapter six, the fuck, Mary kill was divination, arithmancy, and muggle studies. But there was also an alternate, which was care of magical creatures instead of muggle studies. She was with me, so apparently this is what I said because I can't remember. She would fuck divination, marry muggle studies, and kill arithmancy. She was tempted to kill muggle studies, but couldn't do that because she knows what happens in the seventh book. She'd get killed anyway. Yeah, she's going to get killed anyway. Now she did say, and I agree with this, if I'd never read the seventh book I would have killed Muggle Studies because I'm bad at math too and arithmancy C could probably have helped me out. So the next one she answered was chapter seven. Which is the one after six. Which is the one after six because she, <laughs> she didn't answer all of them. Sevens was the snake bogger, the spider bogger, and the mummy bugger. Was it snake or snape? Snape. Okay, because Ashley's text to me says, I'm gonna fuck the snape bugger too. And that does not make sense because Ashley hates snakes. Well, maybe it was the snape bugger. Apparently, I also said we would fuck whatever bugger that was. You know what? I may have
1: been like, oh my god, you're gonna fuck the snape? Because there were several times where you did not kill snape and I was shocked. Clutching yes. Clutching my pearls.
0: Whatever it is, Ashley will also fuck the snake or snape bugger in chapter. that was about wait what else did she do she didn't answer the rest of that oh
1: you suck
0: chapter 12 was about the patronuses the deer or the buck the jack Russell, the stag (laughs) the daddy's stag yeah yeah so the stag the jack russell and the otter she's gonna kill the stag marry the jack russell and fuck the otter also someone's patronus is a salmon
1: Yes, who
0: is that? I don't know, but if that were an option, she would have killed the salmon, because she thinks salmon is delicious. Yes. And I am with her.
1: I agree with that. I would eat I the mean, salmon. Continue. I, I will interrupt you. when I figure out who the salmon is. She's like, out of all the
0: things to remember, it's random that I remember that there's a salmon Patronus. That's oh, it was a
1: lynch.
0: Oh, a vinyl lynch who plays uh, uh, Luna Lovegood.
1: Stupid Patronus. They
0: well, chapter 13 is about Quidditch captains. She would kill Marcus Flint, fuck Cedric, and marry Roger Davies. She said she's gonna fuck Cedric because he's pretty but he dies. And then chapter 14 was the treacle fudge. Oh yes, the, and the, the foods from Hagrid. Yeah, foods from Hagrid. She's gonna kill the bath buns, she's gonna fuck the rock cakes solely because it looks like rock cakes. the least amount of sugar and i don't need all of that in my vagina i like that it's like you're asking for a yeast infection and she's gonna marry draco fudge the next one she did was chapter 15 where the options were hermione punching draco or slapping draco ron being a nice guy and harry catching the snitch and she said she's gonna fuck the hermione punch she's gonna marry snitch catching harry and she's gonna kill nice ron very
1: good
0: the last one was Fudge, Mustache Wizard, and McNair. So she says she's going to fuck Fudge, marry Mustache Wizard, and kill McNair. But you also had a second one that episode. I did. And that one was about the finals. Yes. The Transfiguration Teapot to Tortoise final. Lupin did the Obstacle Horse final, and then the Cheering Charm from Charms. She would fuck the Teapot to Tortoise, she would marry Lupin's Obstacle course, and she would kill the Cheering Charm, which is a little concerning. I think you killed me. I chick think chick. I did too. Was a, little, was a little concerning. <laughs> Ashley, I love you. Also, she sent me a video of her toddler saying bullshit.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And that's my girl, Ashley. Thank you for your fuck, marry, kill answers. Thank you, Ashley. Seriously, yes. everyone send me those. And then yes. I think we already did the one that Steven Ostertag had sent us. Stephen Ostertag, yes. Ostertag gave
1: us. us the one where he said he was gonna, I know he was gonna fuck Lockhart. Yes. Which, I still think he's a mistake. His reasoning
0: behind it was pretty solid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, even Brian attributed two
0: of our Fuck Mary Kills, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, send them in. Send them <laughs> in, it's fun. We we like talking to you guys. Just yeah. to, to tell us your answers, so, yes.
1: So, getting into our favorites and least favorites from this book, while we're on the subject of Fuck Mary Kills, do you
0: have a favorite? A favorite Fuck Mary Kill? Yeah. Yeah. It's the one you just talked about that Stephen did between the Defense uh, nested the Dark Arts professors. Oh, that's very my favorite nice. one because it was the easiest one I think to answer, but it was also the most fun to discuss.
1: Uh, I really do like. The other one that we just talked about, the three finals. I think that one oh, the was finals. one of the most difficult ones that I had done. In chapter ten, I did three treats from Honeydukes. That one I think was pretty fun too. Mm-hmm. Probably my other favorite are the three animals from the pet store.
0: Oh yeah, the three animals.
1: I love those rats.
0: The rats.
1: In terms of like the future of Fuck, Mary, and Kill,
0: I think we're going to continue it.
1: I've been saying kind of all this season, like, hey, maybe it's just a season three thing. But it's kind of fun, so we'll keep doing it until we get sick of it. But if you have other ideas of like fun games that we could play, please let us know. We're here. We'll be open to it. The next topic for us is... Favorite and least favorite new character of this book.
0: Who's your favorite new character?
1: Lupin, but Trelawney obviously is kind of up there too. And the biggest surprise of course for me is that while I love the exterior of Trelawney and kind of like how like hippy dippy, Dee Mix witchy she is, uh-huh. there were a lot of flaws that I saw in her that I didn't necessarily expect. So I have to bring her up because everyone fucking knows that I love Trelawney, especially from that Trelawney counter episode. I mean, you can't not acknowledge Lupin. He is wonderful. He, I think, lost points only once, but otherwise has a really great track record in this book despite becoming a werewolf and almost killing everybody.
0: Nbd. What about you? Uh, Lupin was also my favorite new character. I'm sure that, that comes as no shock to anyone. Lupin is a top five favorite character for me in no particular order. It's easy for him to be a favorite, you know? Yeah.
1: There were a lot of really good characters introduced in this. I mean Buckbeak is up there, Sirius obviously is up there. What about least favorite? Do you have a least
0: favorite? My least favorite character introduced in this book was Sir Cadagan.
1: Ah, uh, very fun.
0: First of all, and this is my fault not really Sir Kadagan's, and ultimately I will keep my answer the same, but the loss that I gave Neville earlier this book was kind of not earned because it was actually Crookshanks who stole the passwords from him. Rather than him losing them which i had forgotten so having that come out in the last couple chapters i was like oh i'm an asshole for giving neville that loss trying um, to get
1: out of giving neville a loss. no he <laughs> still
0: gets the loss because it is still irresponsible to have that lying around he's still getting the loss but sir cadagan sucks because he kept changing it he's annoying if we go by how adam likes to think that's really the catalyst for how that happened is sir cadagan's i thought that was
1: gonna be decision you
0: go no back. no but but like you like to kind of see how how one thing leads to another obviously it was actually serious attacking the fat lady but putting him there and his decision to change the password every fucking 10 minutes that set off that chain of events and yeah, ultimately yeah. led to that so i don't like him
1: i want to preface my choice too because i think that you agree in that peter Pettigrew is not a new character So we've known scabbers Mm-hmm. because i do not choose scabbers either obviously we fucking hate skinny dick it was difficult because I don't think there were a lot of new characters introduced here that mm-hmm. are negative. Even like going through the list, Cho Chang, Cedric, obviously, like there were a lot of new characters that came out that was like, oh, hey, they're here. I did not think of Sir Cadogan. I thought at first, of course, that he was charming when we were introduced to him. And then later on, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I am irritated by him. Mm-hmm. So I chose Rose murder.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I actually gave her points, I think. I mean, it's not a very potent dislike for her. I think it's interesting about how like she has that conversation at the Lakey Cauldron out in the open where students can hear it. And it's not just her, obviously. Fudge is there, Hagrid is there, Flitwick and McGonagall are there. Why is she there in the first place?
0: Also, why aren't you just fucking serving butterbeer, bitch? Get back to work.
1: (laughs) Get back in the kitchen, Madame Roberta! (laughs) With your fucking sparkly ass hooker here! (laughs) Sort of
0: understand sort of where she fits into that.
1: Yeah, she doesn't really fit into it. It seems strange. Also, like you said, it's a packed pub. There's all these students here. It's during a Hogwarts meet visit, etc. It's just kind of like the way that she was introduced is kind of interesting and strange to me. Especially being more familiar, obviously, with the movie. Difference about how they go up in that private room and how in the movie, even like if you're a pub owner, she kind of fit a little bit better for me. I feel like she almost is like Glinda the Good Witch. in in the book which feels strange to me so no offense madam rose but you're my least favorite new character
0: you gotta pick someone that's the rules
1: exactly we didn't have lockhart and tom riddle and right there's
0: some there's some books where it's fucking easy to
1: choose (laughs) yeah there's lots of options yeah exactly what about your favorite chapter
0: You know, as much as I love all of the exposition around cat, rat, and dog and explaining of the marauders and stuff, in this book, I really just want to hold on to stuff that's lighter because this book gets really dark. And so, as this read ends, I would say that my favorite chapter in the book is chapter 15, The Quidditch Final. Mm -hmm. It is Harry getting to do what he does well in a way that he gets to be a kid. This is the last book of Harry really getting to be a kid. That's not 100% true because we get teenage angst and romance and shit coming up in the next couple books. Quidditch is no longer important after this to him. Yes, it is, but in a different type of way. This is still when it's fun and they get to rally around the greatness of winning this championship. I really appreciate this chapter. And the chapter is a fun read. I don't like Quidditch. I don't care about it, but it's a fun read. I'm really grateful for something lighter.
1: You know, it's interesting because we will be talking about growth later in our themes portion. Truly, these first three do feel more like a juvenile kind of read, almost. There's dark stuff that happens in them, obviously, as the story like is built up. I think I had mentioned in one of the last few episodes how moving into Goblet of Fire feels like the major leagues. Yeah. And I think part of that is that he is becoming like more of a teenager. I even made a joke in this book about how he's
0: 13 Mm-hmm. He's a teenager now. But
1: like, you do get those elements of a teenager experience a little bit more as things get more dark. Oh, I agree.
0: What is your favorite
1: chapter? I have two. One of them is actually similar. It's Gryffindor versus clock Because it is one of the chapters that is the most positive in maybe the series. Like, yes. The way that it's written and everything has this really like triumphant feel to it. Mm-hmm. But my other favorite, of course, is Hermione's Secret. It is just so... Dramatic. Following it along and like you are like gripping the book. You're just consumed by what is being written in there. I love Brian that. chose a really good chapter, I think, to be a guest on. I agree. It's just so good. It's where everything comes to a culmination. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. It's such a good chapter. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite quote from the book?
1: My favorite quote is very simple. It is after he casts the Patronus when he says prongs. That is the moment that I was like taken aback by because it was just so beautiful. It's a moment that you don't obviously see in the movie, but it is him realizing so much about his past that nobody told him about, which is another thing throughout this book, obviously, that we aren't going to be diving too much into. I mean, there's so many really, really strong, great moments and quotes from this, but I think that is the one that like I came away remembering and appreciating the most.
0: I love that. I'm going to talk about two things here we would be irresponsible to not mention the heavy-hitting quotes from Dumbledore in the final chapter. Oh yes. He has two really really big ones. The lesser known of the two is when he's talking about how Trelawney has made probably her second official prediction in her life. He says the consequences of our actions are always so complicated, so diverse that predicting the future is a very difficult business indeed, which is a huge overall feeling of the book about the way that they use time in the situation and also the prediction of the future and really like the whole series falls on her first official prediction which we learn more about in a couple books. And then of course the other big Dumbledore quote from that chapter is you think the dead we loved truly ever leave us you think that we don't recall them more clearly in times of great trouble which is often misquoted because of the movie because it is not identical in the movie and serious as it. that is the quote from the book and it's a very very well known quote that being said and i'm only saying those because i think they're important to yeah. the discussion my favorite quote in the book is actually harry to peter when he saves peter's life and peter says thank you thank you sweet boy and all that gross shit he says and harry says, says, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it because I don't reckon my dad would have wanted them to become killers just for you. I love that quote. It kind of goes well with your favorite quote. Just like it comes back to a boy who didn't actually ever know his father getting it. The connection to his father in those moments are really wonderful.
1: Yeah. Speaking of quotes from the movies, I just spilled my wine. That's my other favorite quote. I when Trelawney is, you know, doing the fucking tea reading. That's a Trelawney quote. she's actually quote. drinking wine, and she's like, oh, fuck, I spilled my wine. It's, it really shows the depth of Trelawney's character. No. It's the one that Dumbledore says at the beginning of the movie, Happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if you only remember to turn on the light. It's just a good quote and something to remember in terms of when you're going through tough times like we all are now, doing things that bring you joy or gratitude. That's another really, really wonderful quote, even though it isn't something that was in the book.
0: That's okay. I appreciate that it was in the movie because I think it's a good quote, and it, and it is good to give credit for it. Sure. I love that quote.
1: The next question. What is your favorite part of the book that is not in the movie?
0: I think that that's an easy answer.
1: I think we might have the same answer.
0: Obviously, there's way more Neville in the book. No, I'm just kidding. Uh,
1: never mind. Uh, I can <laughs> always use more Neville.
0: No, it's not about Neville. I'm just kidding. But I could use more Neville in the movie. I'm just saying. No, but it's the explanation of the Marauder's map.
1: Same here. The
0: history behind how that came to be, the story of the friendship between the four of them, Lupin's werewolf past. That's so important and integral to the story. It hurts the movie, which is otherwise a really good movie. Yeah. Hurts the movie a lot to me.
1: Yeah, same here. All that exposition that we get in those chapters that isn't covered at all. Even the way that it's portrayed, like I still think it's really, really strange how dramatic Lupin is when he comes into the Shrieking Shack at first. I also think even more details about how there was like the switcheroo between Sirius and Pettigrew when he killed all those muggles. That
0: would have taken like 16 seconds to put in there. Mm-hmm. Because that's all you needed. It just jumps right from Lupin being like, yeah, I'm cool with Sirius. And that makes him look so suspicious and makes Sirius look even more suspicious.
1: Yeah, all of that. I think there's so many plot holes in the movie because of that. And so rereading the book this time and seeing and remembering all of the real details behind the situation made it a lot better for me.
0: What about your favorite thing about the movie?
1: Just period? Yeah. A lot of it has to do with the editing and kind of camera work. I already talked a lot about this throughout all of our episodes, but some things that come to mind are the themes of time during the time travel part with all of the clock gears and pendulums and some of the things that they actually inserted into the movie, like the little stones that were thrown through the window of Hagrid's hut. Things like the transition from the Trelawney scene where she gives her prediction into McNair sharpening the axe. (laughs) The beginning of that scene in the leaky cauldron of him kind of moving through the darker areas of the pub with Arthur Weasley and all the things that are going on in the background. And even just like the smaller moments, like some of the shots during the scene where he falls out of the sky during that Quidditch match against Hufflepuff. There's also the scene of all the Dementors kind of swirling at the very end. There's a lot of really, really cool shots that were made in the movie that I think really helped to bring it to life.
0: I agree. I have essentially the same answer. I think that overall and throughout this whole season I've just kind of been like the story does suffer with the overall arc of this as a piece of a series, but as a movie this is such a strong movie. It looks good, it looks strong. The kids are all great in it. They've all got some strong acting moments. I know that I was giving Daniel Radcliffe some shit about the one scene. But other than that, I think he's stupendous. And again, I really chalked it up to how do you find that place? I get it. The choices of actors. A lot of people are very critical of the actors who play, I mean, even in the first movie, who play Harry's parents. And then the choice of Gary Oldham and... David Thulis as Sirius and Lupin actually are really great alongside Alan Rickman as Snape and they're all supposed to be at the same age, but Harry's parents were so young when they died, so Lupin and Sirius should be our age. They're not. The actors don't look our age and honestly I will say this here and now it's unnecessary angst that Lily and James died so young. I think I would have been fine had the story taken place 10 years later and they were like in their late 20s instead of 21 or whatever when they died or their early 30s like that would have been less devastating but whatever. Those choices though adding those two actors to the cast I think really were very strong. Again people want to be People are welcome to be critical of their ages and, and the choices to have them be so much older, but really think that they, they embody so well. the characters yeah. so well.
1: I think other than that scene with Harry like screaming, the other thing that I'm not a huge fan of is how it ends, of course. I don't li-
0: uh, yeah. Again, I'll take that ending over the ending yes, of Chamber. Me too. Uh, I think that him flying off on the firebolt was fine.
1: It's the way that they freeze frame it. it.
0: The freeze frame is weird.
1: I think that they're getting better. If I recall, the end of the fourth movie is actually wonderful. And it doesn't end it on a kind of like cheesy moment. Of course, when we get there, it's very hard to end that book, I think, on agreed. a cheesy moment. So,
0: as a movie, it's a very strong movie. Yes. Yeah. So,
1: agreed. Okay, so now getting into some themes that we talked about throughout the book. The first one is one of our combined favorites, and that is growth. Uh, Particularly Harry and Hermione, but also kind of Ron's journey through all of this.
0: I think it's important to categorize him with the other two as well. Growth is a lot of different things. It's not just, yeah, Harry and Hermione have a bomb-ass book, and it's not as strong of a book for Ron. That doesn't mean that he doesn't grow. In this book, Ron is the easiest character, I think, to connect. out of the three. So I think it's important to still give him that credit. I think this is actually not as bad of a book for Ron as as I like to make it seem, but I already talked before about how we can connect to that idea of like I fucked up and I have another chance to do better. And we're talking about his slacking on Hagrid and Buckbeak and all of that and how he's like no this is actually my like life goal now to to be a part of this and to do better because we don't always get those opportunities and Ron does get the opportunity and he takes it and he, he runs with it. I think it's important in every book to remember everyone's background is from somewhere else and Ron is the youngest boy in a family of seven children. He is constantly overlooked. That is not to like forgive him of any of his bullshit. A thing that we need to remember.
1: And probably feeds into like how we... It
0: feeds into him. He has a yeah, thing. He does not have a lot of personal self-confidence. And the moment, you know, where he's, like, popular and interesting because he potentially, he thought he was going to be attacked by Sirius Black and all of that, kind of reveling in the attention. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times we think of that as a negative thing. It's really just a human thing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, at that age, too. It also, I think, lays the groundwork for how Ron is going to be portrayed in future books. Like, there are other books where he definitely shows off his whininess. I mean, just like how we talked about earlier how these first few books are more like juvenile for Mm -hmm. Harry and him getting to be a kid and then him coming more into being a teenager while also dealing with some very adult stuff. A little bit more about like Harry's growth because at this point too his background with the Dursleys is so far in the past. It's not so much him growing out of that as it is exploring what his destiny is in the wizarding world. Right. Some notes on Hermione I think this is definitely the first book where we see Hermione become more badass (laughs) like we always knew of course but that chapter Hermione's Secret and like how she takes control of things is really really wonderful.
0: The way she just completely takes control of her education and keeps it together like she's so dedicated to what she's about. Yes it's a rough thing when she decides that she should turn in the broom to McGonagall and deciding what's best for Harry when that really was outside of what her jurisdiction. Yeah like really but Mm -hmm. at the same time like her intentions were good and she wasn't trying to hurt Harry and also the bravery I mean in the first book, Neville is rewarded for standing up to people in a situation that he does not come out on the other end looking great. He gets to be petrified and left there, you know. And Hermione knows she's hurting Harry's feelings. She knows that this is not going to end well and she still goes to McGonagall, she's concerned about Harry. Her line of thinking and her like constant acknowledgement of her friend's life possibly being in danger is really mature outside of the fact that she's fucking great at school and she's smart and she's keeping it together despite how fucking crazy it is. I also want to say I love that she is able to confide in Hagrid. I think that it's really important for these kids to be able to confide in adults. Yeah. Sure we get to see Harry and Dumbledore later on and in this book we get to see Harry and Lupin kind of have these moments but we don't really get to see Hermione and Hagrid but you know that it's happening and that makes me happy. It says a lot about Hermione's trust in him that she opens up to him and she's like Harry and Ron are being shits to me. Yes she grows in all these badass ways and she's strong and she makes all these smart decisions and her logic and her ability to keep it together is what makes the climax of this book work and all of that but also her being a regular kid with feelings and stuff I think is also important to let her grow into.
1: Well, I think the big thing for me from her is the vulnerability, like that's what we see from her. Like we see it so many times with like how she approaches divination. When she punches Malfoy, it's a great moment where it shows that she's kind of like tightly wound. Um, so looking a little bit into some of those moments and why she is experiencing that similar to how Ron is approaching things. That is, I think, what is the most indicative of Hermione's growth for me. And similar to Ron, it'll be interesting to see those components of her in the future as well.
0: Agreed. What about Harry?
1: I touched on Harry a little bit, but I think, like, from the way that you said earlier, he's trying to be just a kid in these first three books. And then the difference of how he is kind of turning into a teenager... these next few and just how he is now like immersed in the story about his destiny rather than like what his past was
0: right this is kind of the last book where it's not about that you know
1: rather than this is the last book that does focus on his past as a primary right it'll be interesting to see like when that future moment hits because i think that This next book will be mostly rooted in the present, I think.
0: Yes, I agree. I think that the fourth book is very much set in a very now kind of feeling. Yeah. uh, Which makes it extra exciting. Yeah,
1: yeah. It'll be interesting to look at it from that point of view.
0: Harry learns so much about his past in this book in such an important way. There's a lot of really hard moments if you try to imagine yourself being... Like this child who doesn't know anything about his parents and suddenly learning that his dad could turn into a stag, that his dad and his friends did this for another friend, that that his parents best friend, until he finds out the truth, betrayed them, that he worked for Voldemort, that that's the reason why his parents are dead. You know, learning that this professor he'd become very close with during the year is actually a good friend of his father's. There's a lot of learning for Harry that is kind of in a place where, like, if I were that child, I would be, like, overwhelmed emotionally. Because it's not necessarily, like, easy stuff to learn. It's dark and it's heavy and it's emotional and he has to cope with all of that. All on top of dealing with his Dementor problem as... I think it was Wood calls it, and he learns how to do a Patronus. And they say it in the fifth book. These kids are not supposed to learn how to do Patronuses if in school it's after the fifth year and he's 13. That's a huge thing for Harry. And also I think that on a smaller scale, you see him start to trust more. I think the most important piece of trust he finds in this book is with these men who were his dad's friends. He trusts Lupin not because of that, but then later on, learning that is just like an extra good thing.
1: Yes, I think all those are really, really good points regarding where Harry goes in this book. Something else that you said kind of segues into like my next big thing, which is divination and kind of what's going to come from like the prophecies and everything. Mm -hmm. And I think we really already touched on it. I'm more so excited to see how that opens up in the fifth book, especially. Mm -hmm. There are some moments that I'm not going to get too super into right now because I'm not really looking forward to book five because I really hate Umbridge that much. (laughs) Five is rough. Yeah. How that impacts the future will be really interesting. I don't necessarily know like where we're going to see other elements of that, but it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting to look out for it. There's a lot more that I noticed in this book in terms of like past, present, future, or like people having those sort of abilities that I I definitely want to explore.
0: I love it. I'm excited for the future of divination. Yes.
1: Me too. And then, of course, the last really big theme is something that we've talked about a lot. The clues and the plot points that kind of lead us up into, like, learning more about all of the things that we finally find out about in the last few chapters, be it Sirius's identity, Pettigrew's identity, who Lupin really is in terms of being a werewolf, how Hermione was getting to all of her classes, and how it's all, like, interconnected in a strange way. Yeah i feel like it's more apparent in this book than anything else chamber secrets definitely had those like clue moments in terms of how the basilisk was getting around and who was petrifying all the students and why things unfolded in the way that they did and i think that i have mentioned several times about how book one is more of an adventure book two is more of a mystery and then this is maybe back to adventure or maybe even more of like a combination of both
0: it's more adventure than mystery. Yeah
1: I think so too.
0: In the first book their objection is we have to figure out this mystery around this stone. We want to know what's up. We got to figure this out. And then in the second book it's the same thing. We got to figure out what this is about especially when Hermione is petrified. The stakes are raised. But in this book there's this threat. They don't really have like an end goal for it. Harry's not looking for Sirius. All the culmination at the end just Happens. They leave Hagrid's hut to go back to the castle, but oh no, all this stuff is happening. It's not like they were leaving Hagrid's hut to go, you know, use the invisibility cloak to find out where Sirius Black is and learn all these answers. That's just what happened. Yeah, it was a
1: lot more organic
0: to me. I don't think of it as a mystery at all. I think fills in the things that you're like, I wonder how Hermione is doing that. I wonder what the deal is about Lupin. I wonder if Scabbers is still alive. I wonder like all these little things that you're like throughout the book. I wonder, and then we get those chapters.
1: I think that in book two, there's like a problem and clearly someone doing it, which made it the mystery. But there are those components, like in the first book, I think the main one was what's the deal with Quirrell and the whole Philosopher's Stone thing. Yeah, It's laid out for us in a more adventure type of plot. Like you (laughs) said, like it is here. It's not that we have to like solve anything at the end, but- We get answers. Yes. And while we like get there at the end and figure out how everything fits together. And when you're reading through it, you're not necessarily supposed to to pick up on those things. Mm -hmm. I do think that going back and reading through it and noticing all those little bits of foreshadowing are interesting. So I wanna pick up on that in the next book too, because I don't necessarily think that it's going to be so much of an adventure or a mystery.
0: I think it's more like the same formula as this book.
1: Perhaps, I just have a feeling that it'll be a little bit more linear. This book is, it's difficult to make it linear because the whole time travel thing. Mm I don't necessarily see it as being something where we're going to have an issue that needs to be resolved or anything, but I still am expecting like those other little clues that are coming out of the true identity of Moody, for example, Mm -hmm. or even like what each task will entail. And then how we're going to approach like the other books after that, especially the fifth book, which doesn't necessarily have the same model as some of these. So It'll be interesting to kind of see how plot and clues come into oh, great. play. Do you have a winner and a loser of the book?
0: So do you have a guess on what they are?
1: I guessed pre-recording um, that it's going to be Harry and Snape.
0: Okay. Well, you're wrong.
1: Oh. The
0: loser. And to me, I thought this was an easy loser. So Snape was not an easy loser and he didn't even cross my mind because I was talking about Pettigrew. Yeah.
1: That makes a lot more sense. So, I just kind of think of like right. who you tend to betray. Well, about. yes.
0: You learn about his betrayal. His betrayal is one thing, but his cowardice... Like, how he mooched off the Weasleys and Percy and Ron. And then also he hurts Ron and Crookshanks in this book. It's not like, this is also past that I'm just bitching about. And he tries to pit friends against, you know, he, like, worms up to Remus. And he's like, oh, Sirius was this bad person. Remus he's has just found out all drama. this truth. He's causing drama. Like, I just, it's, it's gross. It's cowardly. I hate him. He fucking loses. Totally easy loser. Now, the winner was not easy. I, I. Thought for a while I would give the win to Hermione. Then I thought I'd give the win to Harry. But I did ultimately give the win to Lupin. I
1: thought you um, were about to say Crookshanks.
0: i <laughs> give the win to Crookshanks. <laughs> Tied with Lupin. I know Lupin's like, he's an amazing teacher. And we see him be a, an amazing teacher not just for Harry, but for everyone else. The specific moments where he is caring for Neville about his fear of Snape and how he like stands up for Neville to Snape I think is very important. Just shows the kind of person that Lupin is. He keeps his personal connection to Harry's parents separate from Harry's education. His motivation to help Harry and to be there for Harry might very well have been set off by his care and relationship with Lily and James. But he keeps that out of Harry's education. It's helping this child who was asked for his help. He also accepts his mistakes at the end. He's like, thank you, Harry, for thinking I'm a great teacher, but it was dangerous. What happened? And him not taking the potion. Also, he learns the truth about Sirius, and he's reunited with one of his yeah. best friends, and that's awesome.
1: Cool. That makes a lot of sense yeah. for both winner and loser of this book.
0: Get your points out! All right, out.
1: let's talk about points. We got a lot to discuss here. Okay, so here is the ranking of all the points of this book. We have 25 levels, and 54 people were assigned or removed points. Okay. Okay. So at number 25, we have Snape at 245. (laughs) 24, we have Pettigrew at 230. 23 is Draco with 130. At 22, we have a tie of negative 50. Do you have a guess on who those are? Fudge? Nope, Vernon and
0: Marge.
1: Oh. (laughs) Lucius Malfoy is at 21 with negative 30, even though he wasn't in this book. 20 is Ministry of Magic with negative 20. 19 is Marcus Flint with negative 15. 18 is Pansy with negative 10. At 17, there's a tie at negative 5, and that is Filch and Percy. Then we have a tie at 16 with zero points. Do you have a guess at that? Fudge. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Fudge and...
1: Your favorites.
0: I have lots of favorites. Filch.
1: Sir Geduggan. I Sir just Keduggan. said Filch. You oh. aren't paying attention.
0: Alright. You're throwing a lot of names at me.
1: Fifteen is a 13-way tie. Okay. Who do you think I'm it is? I'm not guessing Bye. Okay. Bookstore employee, Cho Chang, Colonel Fubster, Derek Fang, Hannah, Lavender, Rosemurta. See, I did give her points. Matt Cox. Nimbus 2000, Parvati, Pidgewidgeon, and Wendell the Weird. Fourteen, there's a five-way tie. Cedric, Errol, Flitwick, Giant, Squid, a.k.a. myself, and Stan (laughs) Shunpike. Thirteen is a five-way tie at 15 points with Arthur Ginny James Potter, in case you were thinking it was another James. I don't know. I think there is. James is a common name. Lee Jordan and the Fat Lady. Number twelve is a three-way tie with 20 points, and that's Hedwig Long bottom. I just said long bottom. <laughs> long bottom.
0: Hey, long bottom.
1: And, and Trelawney. Eleven is a tie with twenty-five points, and that's Molly and Pomfrey. And now we're in the top ten. I'm gonna get through these next few, and then I'm gonna make you guess. So ten is a three-way tie, thirty points, and that's Fred, George, and Oliver, which feels nice to me. The Quidditch bitches. Mm-hmm. Nine is McGa with forty-five points. And eight is a tie with 50 points, and that's Crookshanks and Ron. Aw. At one point, Ron had negative points, so good job for recouping those points.
0: Getting out of the negative.
1: Okay, so now we're at our top seven. Who is at seven? (sighs) Don't look. Serious. No.
0: That was my guess. Who was it?
1: Buckbeak. He has 65.
0: Okay. Six is... Serious.
1: No, it's Dumbledore with 95. (laughs) Number five is...
0: Serious. Yes. (laughs) With 115.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Four is... Hermione. No, Hagrid. Hagrid. Okay. Okay, top three. Who is the top three?
0: Do I have to know them in order? No. Harry, Hermione, and Lupin. That
1: is the order from one, two, three, though. So Harry's at number one with 260. Two is Hermione with 205, and Lupin is 200.
0: Yay!
1: All right, so now we're also going to discuss by house and then best of worst by house once again. Okay. So by house... Number one is Gryffindor, as it always is. 1,060 points, which is about 50 each in this book if you do an average of everybody who got points. And this was actually the best book so far out of the three, despite Pettigrew being a douchebag nice but this is also where we learn all of these new gryffindors there's lupin there's sirius etc mm-hmm. second place for the house cup is miscellaneous unknown which is 180 points or about 13 each on average in this book third place is hufflepuff so third or nothing third they got, place. It. They got it. 45 points or 11.25 per hufflepuff in this book on average and there were no negative points and actually, Chamber of Secrets was the best book for Hufflepuff so far.
0: Well, makes sense.
1: Uh, Ravenclaw. So they're in fourth place. 35 points are about 12 each in this book. There were only three Ravenclaws and no negative points. And this is the first time that Ravenclaw hasn't gotten negative points. So this is the best book for Ravenclaws by a long shot. <laughs> Do you know who those three Ravenclaws were?
0: Let's see. In this book, Flitwick. Uh-huh. Definitely. Cho Chang.
1: Uh-huh. Quentralani.
0: Trelawney, that's right, she was a Ravenclaw's.
1: Fifth place is Muggle Squib with negative 100 points or about negative 25 each in this book. The only Muggle Squib that got any points, it was the Colonel Fubbs.
0: Yeah. Flubster. And
1: then as usual, Slytherins in last place, because all the douchebags are fucking Slytherins, they have negative 415 points, or negative 50 each book. Over half of the negative points was from Snape.
0: Because he sucks.
1: And overall though, Chamber of Secrets is still the worst book for Slytherin so
0: far. Well it's Riddle's in that book, so. Yes.
1: Okay, and then finally the best and worst by house overall for three Mm -hmm. books and then also for this book. So who do you think is the best Gryffindor in this book? Harry. Yes. Who is the best Gryffindor overall?
0: Harry. Yes. He has
1: 665 points overall which is the same age as Flamel when he died. Who's the worst in this book?
0: For Gryffindor? Pettigrew.
1: Yes. And who's the worst overall for Gryffindor?
0: Probably Pettigrew. Yes
1: this book he got negative 230. Overall he got negative 240. So at some point I took 10 more points away from Pettigrew or Scabbers. Hufflepuff! They still don't have any negative points at all. No one got negative points.
0: Yeah, Hufflepuff! So on
1: average they're kind of winning. Who is the best Hufflepuff in this book? Cedric. Nope. I
0: don't know. Quinn Pomfrey. Oh, Pomfrey! God, I forgot about
1: Who is the best First... Hufflepuff overall?
0: Quinn Pomfrey. Yes! <laughs>
1: Who is the worst in this
0: book? For Hufflepuff? Yes,
1: it's positive five points, so it's not a like uh, Did you just give
0: them to Sprout for whatever? No,
1: Sprout didn't get any points. If you
0: recall, R-
1: she was not in my... She
0: was not mentioned, I know. Um, she was not in my rank. She should have points just because she's amazing.
1: You never gave her a win, so... Oh my god.
0: It's not about that. Worst in
1: this book is a tie. Five points each to Hannah and Matt Cox. <laughs> Matt uh,
0: Cox, are you a Hufflepuff? I think he is. He
1: better be. He wrote Puffs. I've categorized him Matt as a Hufflepuff. Cox,
0: even if you're not a Hufflepuff, you're a Puff now.
1: And who's worst overall between all the books for Puffs? Yes, it's a three-way tie. Uh, I don't
0: know.
1: And it's five points. So, based on that information, you should know what one of them is.
0: Matt Cox.
1: Yes. And then Justin and Ernie, who also got five Ernie. points. That. Okay. All right, who's the best Ravenclaw in this book?
0: It better be Cho Chang.
1: No, it's Trelawney. It's
0: Trelawney. God, you give her all the points. That's right.
1: Who's the worst in this book? Oh, no. yes, because
0: she's the only <laughs> one mentioned. She
1: got five points. She was in one chapter. I'm not gonna give. Great. Best overall Ravenclaw, all three books.
0: Probably still Trelawney. No. Oh, Flitwick. No.
1: Fuck. Moaning Myrtle. Oh
0: God.
1: Worst Ravenclaw overall.
0: Oh well, that's easily Lockhart. <laughs> yes. <is.
1: laughs> best Slytherin in this book. This one is a little tricky. Draco. I did my digging, and the the best information I found is that Stan Shunpike is a Slytherin.
0: Okay.
1: So we got 10 points.
0: So Stan Shunpike.
1: Yes. Who's the best overall Slytherin? You. Yes. This
0: is bullshit. (laughs) Who is the worst Slytherin in this book? Snape. Yes. And who is
1: the worst Slytherin overall?
0: Snape. No. What? This is bullshit.
1: It's Draco.
0: Oh, Draco does have a lot of negative points, just not as many in this book.
1: Yes. Okay, who's the best muggle slash squib in this book? I already gave you the answer.
0: Fubster. Yes. Colonel Fubster. (laughs)
1: Who is the best overall uh, Muggle squid in all three books? And it's a five-way tie, and you're never going to get it. Well,
0: just tell me what it is.
1: It's front desk guy at the hotel, Mr. and Mrs. Granger is one person, Mrs. Fig, Zoe Wanamaker, the actress, and Colonel Fubster. <laughs> so last time it was those four. It was a four-way tie. Now Fubster joins the ranks. Worst Muggle squid in this book. It's a tie.
0: Vernon and Bitch, Marge. Yes. And
1: who is the worst overall? Vernon. Yes. And then finally, Miscellaneous and Unknown, so people that we don't know who is in a house or a magical creature. Best in this book? Uh, Crouching. No. Fuck me. Yes. Best overall?
0: Christmas. Yes!
1: (laughs) You didn't even pause. Finally, you're making sense of all of this. Worst in this book? I don't know. The Ministry of Magic. Oh, yeah, they suck. And then worst overall in all the books?
0: Ministry of Magic?
1: No, I only took points away from them in this book. Uh,
0: I don't know.
1: It's negative 100 points. The Basilisk.
0: Oh yes, Hucky basil.
1: So that's everything I have in my last points. book. Get ready cuz this is going to get more and more complicated with each book. Yeah. Very excited. All right, so that was my points for the season. Next, what are you looking forward to in Goblet of Fire?
0: First of all, Goblet of Fire is ridiculously dense and there's so many things that are about to come at us and I'm so glad we do this chapter by chapter. I'm excited to learn more about Voldemort and his supporters. I know he sucks, but we get introduced to Barty Crouch, senior and junior. I think that their storyline is fascinating. Winky, the Quidditch World Cup is exciting. Mm-hmm. We learn more about Neville and his parents' backstory. We slowly get that and how that comes into Harry's story, which is super important. Mm-hmm. A lot of important character stuff there. Some really amazing Fred and George moments in the next book. I'm excited for the truth about Sirius to be revealed to other people other than the trio and Dumbledore and Lupin because the beginning of the fifth book is about the Order of the Phoenix and and where he falls into that. So there's a lot of really great stuff there. And like the Yule Ball and teenage angst and the graveyard scene. I'm not excited for it because it sucks but I'm excited to discuss it. And just overall I think book four is just a great catalyst for The second half of the series. Yeah.
1: In this book, I think we explore a little bit more world building outside of Hogwarts, which I'm excited for. Mm -hmm. Both this and the fifth book, I think we learn so much more about just the overall world and what is impacting things. As a whole, that's something I'm excited about. Kind of on the flip side, I do feel like a lot of the Triwizard Tournament stuff, we do get to like also focus more internally, too, in Hogwarts Mm -hmm. and school.
0: The other schools. Yep. Yeah.
1: You mentioned the Crouches, but I also think of all the different characters that come to Hogwarts. So
0: many characters.
1: Which kind of goes into the world-building thing again as being something that's very exciting. You also mentioned teenage angst. I think that we explore a little bit more real-world problems. Things, I I was going to say, become a little bit more realistic, but obviously they they don't. But what I mean by that, I think, is they just get more real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Things get really dire. We also get a little bit more of an insight to more magical creatures, too, which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, this book like you said, is so dense. There's so many new things to explore in this. If I recall, we don't even get to Hogwarts and, like, what we're used to for several chapters. Several
0: chapters. Oh, we get the pensive for the first time?
1: Yeah, that's true as well, which is very integral. There's just so much. It's really hard to, like, pick out very specific things. But I know that seeing them grow up a little bit more is going to be a big theme.
0: Get ready for me to hate all over the movie.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, these books are getting bigger and bigger. So there's more and more that is cut out, too. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of comes to light from this book. Yeah. And then the last thing is what else can you expect from 6 niches in the future speaking of the future in this yes. episode. Uh, like I already said Fuck Mary Kill is going to Returning continue book four. and we'll see how long that goes and then we'll come up with some other fun gimmick. We also were talking about having more and more guests on which I think is very yes. exciting. We're
0: definitely going to have Ashley, who we shared all for <laughs> fuck, Mary Kill answers earlier this episode. Ashley Brubaker is going to be on for this book for sure. Mm-hmm. We might bring back some favorites. We m- hopefully we'll bring on some more people. Some favorites. Cool. I <laughs> some wonder favorites who those could be. be Stephen and Brian. Yeah, who else? Um, I mean,
1: anybody from the Puffs games, Yeah, and our
0: Puffs friends. But we're excited to just have a conversation with more people on this, since it's a long ass book. We might as well have a few more yeah. guests.
1: And I think just the same old basic niches format that you're used to.
0: Alcohol.
1: Alcohol regrets.
0: Massive regrets.
1: Cat noises in the background. As yes. you may have noticed, the cat noises have may have stopped because we are now in the library and Bentley has gone into sequester because he was being an asshole.
0: <laughs> so there it is. Yes. We are excited. To join you again for book four.
1: That's right. So, you typically right now we take a break, but guess what? We're we not going to take are a, break. a break. But we're also not going right into book four next week. Nope. There will be one more episode next week that's going to be a special one.
0: It's very special. Yes,
1: and that's probably all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so tune in for next week. But then after that, we're going to be taking a break. And then book four will begin early October. Chapter one. Yeah.
0: The Riddle Has.
1: It's going to get scary for the beginning of the Halloween months. Yes. Yeah. And then from that point forward, of course, you can expect us weekly again yep
0: and you can't wait yeah
1: in the meantime definitely feel free like we always ask you to to reach out to us on social or via email let us know your fuck marry kill picks. let us know your answers to all the questions that we asked in this book
0: let us know your thoughts about the podcast in general or anything that you would really like to hear us talk about yeah. in the next book unless um,
1: you hate it if you don't like our podcast unsubscribe
0: but really just keep subscribing and learn to fall back in love with us because we're great.
1: That sounds like you might need a change in personality or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, it. Uh,
1: that's it. That's and all I have we, to we say. We still don't know how to end these episodes, so.
0: That's never going to change.
1: Have a great day and wear a goddamn mask.
0: Thanks. basic snitches is produced and recorded by adam bowers and tara corkery edited by adam bowers and
1: published by tara corkery via podbean and now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts
0: a special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us we hope you enjoyed us if you enjoyed us please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice
1: and if you didn't enjoy us then we're sorry you're so angry Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com.
0: We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, later, snitches!